I could just keep on singing that and singing that and singing that and singing that. There's so much truth in all that we have been proclaiming through song this morning. Aren't you thankful? I'm no longer a slave to fear. Come on, sing it. I am a child of God. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. There's so much truth. So much truth in those few words, in that phrase that we just sang. It ought to just well up in your heart this morning. And strengthen you. That's our hope, that we be strengthened in the word today. Go ahead and have a seat and grab your Bibles. And uh, to get started, I'm going to take you on a little, uh, little story, if that's okay with you. So um, I'm working on our house this past couple of weeks. And um, have anybody noticed it's been raining? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Crazy. Uh, fall that we're having, and so um, it's a little muddy out there, and our two Saturdays ago, our grandchildren came over while we were working, and they had their muck boots on, and they were all nice and clean in their little, you know, outfits and everything, and they all looked really cute out there playing in the mud, and Jen and Jed Long's boys, uh, Tucker and Carl, uh, Car Tucker and Connor, thank you, came over, and um, and they were all being very polite, and they were, they were walking around in the mud and kind of tiptoeing in the mud, and they had their boots on and everything, and they were all having a great time. They were sledding down some hills that we have out there in the mud, and actually, you bring a little plastic sled, works pretty good in the slick mud, you know, and they're having a great old time. And I think somewhere along the line, somebody got slapped with some mud in the face. And you know what started it was like a massive mud fight was getting started, you know. And um, they're having a ball, and we're, we're enjoying watching them as they're, as they're running around. And pretty soon, they hit what they didn't know was what I call the mud bog. There is a place where all the water is running to. And in clay, when it's loose, the clay is loose and full of water, saturated with water, it turns into like quicksand it turns into like a massive pit that will draw you down to the depths of the earth <laughs> and all of a sudden we hear the, these little kids going ah 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 what we we need help we can't get out every single one of them had wandered into the death zone they had wandered into this pit and they were sunk up to their knees and they could not move now, fortunately, they're not six feet tall. They're only like three feet tall. And so they're just like, you know, trying to, if it was me, I'd be in my, on my face, you know, broken knees. This, this, this stuff is serious stuff, and they could not get out. They had to have somebody help them. And so I'm like, well, I'm grandpa. You, you guys take care of your own kids out there. And so, <laughs> so Gavin runs out there into the mud. He enters into the mud, and he's picking these kids. And what's happening is he's picking them, trying to get them out of the mud. But you know how it is. You ever been stuck in the mud like that? It's just sucking you down, and you can't get your boots out. And so he's popping these kids out, and just socks, all you can see. It's just socks, you know. There are still boots stuck down there somewhere being drawn to the depths of Sheol, 
somewhere down there in the bottomless pit that we have. It made me think about something that's happening in our world right now. It made me think about the fact that there are things that are coming upon us unexpectedly. We're wandering into unknown territory in a lot of different ways in our lives, and as we do, some of us are getting stuck, and we're desperate because the, the, the more we struggle to get out of the situation that we find ourselves in, the more we sink and the more stuck we become. And it takes somebody or something to come along and pop us out of our situation and save us and rescue us. I can name so many of those things that get us stuck in the muck and the mire of this world and of our circumstances that we find ourselves in. But the one I want to talk about today is what I think is one of the most important topics to talk about in the day that we're living today, and that is fear. I want to talk about that this morning. Anybody afraid about the uncertainty of tomorrow and willing to admit it? I know we're in Jesus, and we're, we're in church today, and Christians aren't supposed to admit that they're afraid. We're going to even talk about that today. But anybody willing to admit, I'm a little worried, I'm a little afraid of the future. I'm a little afraid of the future of our nation. I'm a little afraid of the future of today's generation of children that are being, oh man. I didn't practice this part. It's not in my notes to talk about this. Being lied to and being taught things, woe to those who call what is wrong right and what is right wrong, the scripture says, and yet we are teaching our children that things that are wrong are right. And we're lying to them about their past and the past of this nation. And what are we raising up? Anybody nervous and afraid of what the next generation of leaders of America is going to look like if we don't turn something around somewhere? All right, enough of that. I'm done with that. Anybody worried for your family and nervous about the future, your financial future? Anybody nervous about this winter? No? Am I the only one? Anybody nervous about what America is going to look like as it relates to our family? Anybody like me, anybody like me, nervous and worried and, and fearful of what the church is going to look like? That's what we want to talk about today. Fear is everywhere, you guys. Fear is everywhere. You can't escape it. Anybody you talk to out on the street, out in your community, out in your sphere of influence, people are afraid right now. And some people are so afraid that they are stuck. Fear, let's just set some foundation. Fear is a distressing emotion aroused by the anticipation of pain, harm, or loss. 
So fear is an emotion. And are all of our emotions bad? Like, is anger bad all the time? No, if you read the scriptures and you study the scriptures, it is not. We actually have been given emotions by God. And therefore, those emotions are helpful. And the fear emotion can be helpful and can be a good thing, right? For sure, when it's momentary, when it is a temporary alertness that danger may be present, God has instilled that into and planted that into our DNA to arouse our attention to the fact that you need to, you need to wake up, danger is present. And, and some of that fear factor that we have that is part of it and planted in us by God is a good thing to help us so that we don't walk off the cliff or we don't do something stupid. On the other hand, and hear me now, I'm, I'm, I'm talking to believers today, those who are in Jesus Christ, okay? I just want to make that clear from the very beginning here. Fear, actually being afraid of anything on a regular basis is not from God, is not of God. If you live with the ongoing debilitating presence of fear, this is not from God. Now, I want, to, I want to say to you that I'm speaking to those of you who are believers in Jesus Christ. I have to take a second and talk to those of you who may not be believers in Jesus Christ. <clears throat> because we may have people sitting here, those of you who are online joining us, you may be seeking God. You, you might not know Jesus yet. You don't have a relationship with him. You've not asked him for forgiveness of your sins or repented of your sins and received his gift of salvation and are now walking in a new life in Jesus Christ. For those of you in that condition, I say with all the love I can muster in my heart for you, you need to be very much afraid. And you ought to have a fear and possess a fear that is debilitating at the thought that you might not have eternal life in Jesus Christ. The Bible says that those who are in Christ are new creations and we have now what's called eternal life and we will live with God in heaven forever. But those who do not know the Lord and die in their sin, the Bible promises us and is clear that you will end up in a place called hell, which is a place of torment and judgment forever and ever. Your, your soul is eternal, my friends. And though your body may die, your eternal soul will live somewhere. It'll either be in heaven or hell. And if you don't know Jesus, you need to be very much afraid because you don't know if you have tomorrow. And so you can hear the urgency in my heart that you need to be saved. And God came and made a way. We just sang about it all morning long. You can be saved today. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ is free for all who will receive it. And you're hearing that word today. And if you're hearing that word and you are not saved, do not harden your heart. Give your heart to Jesus, I beg of you. But for those of us who know the Lord, if you live in an ongoing debilitating presence of fear, this is not okay, and it is not of God. I came across this little description of fear. I think we're gonna have it on the screen here that fear, when it's mildly consistent, it's, ca consistent, it's called an aversion. 
When fear is irrational, we call it phobias. And we have like, I don't even know, I, I stopped counting how many phobias there are. There's a ton of them out there that we've identified that people are scared to death of. When it's persistent, it's called dread. Actually, if I were to be real with you and honest with you today, this is where I sit most of the time. It wasn't always this way with me. Um, but ever since the death of our daughter Amanda, I live in this place right now and wrestle against the persistent presence of dread in my life that the next shoe is going to drop and I'm not sure I can handle another shoe dropping. And I hate to confess that that is the case for me, but it is something that I'm actually, I was singing and just rejoicing and praising the Lord and thanking him that I'm on the other side, I'm on like the uphill side of that instead of the downhill side of that now. But it still haunts me every day. When it's immediate and life-threatening, we call it terror. But let me just ask you, how many of you would agree that fear doesn't live in the present and uncertain. Fear lives and thrives in the future and uncertain as it relates to our lives. This is where so many of us get stuck is right here in this place. We get totally overwhelmed and it freezes us in our tracks, totally paralyzing us over that which we have no control over. Of course, that's our real problem, isn't it? Am I the only one who has a control issue? That's our problem, isn't it? When we get to the place where our future is uncertain and we no longer have control, that's the place where fear wants to walk in. That's where it lives. Take your Bibles and turn to 2 Timothy chapter 1 as I take you to a very familiar passage. 2 Timothy chapter 1. Here's the theme today. You have nothing to fear. I thought somebody would say amen at that point. You guys are like, I think fall is finally settling in and it's colder now and you're just not as much alive, but I'm gonna wake you up. The Holy Spirit needs to wake us up, right? You have nothing to fear, church. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. You have nothing to fear. And 2 Timothy tells us about that. Now, Paul is writing to Timothy, a young pastor, and here's what he writes. He starts, we're going to ramp up to this uh, verse 7 with verse 5. So go to verse 5, 2 Timothy 1, 5. I remember your genuine faith, for you share the faith that first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I know that that same faith continues strong in you. This is why I remind you to fan into flames the spirit God gave you when I laid my hands on you. And then here's his very next words, for God has not given us a spirit of fear. Now why would he say that right after he says fan into flame the gift that he's given to you? I believe it is because Timothy was a hesitant, doubtful, um, inferior, and fearful or timid pastor. I think he had all kinds of doubts that I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know how to do this. And Paul is saying, listen, Timothy, you have a strong faith that was invested in you. You need to fan that faith into flame. And by the way, this spirit of fear that you have, it's not from the Lord. 
God hasn't given you a spirit of fear and timidity, Timothy. Instead, he has given you power, love, and self-discipline. Now, I just want to say here that he's, when he says the spirit of fear, he's not talking about the Holy Spirit, and he's not talking about some demonic spirit. Some people talk about this stuff all the time, like there's the demonic spirit of everything, and there's a demonic spirit of fear. He's not talking, he's not denouncing this demonic spirit of fear. He is talking about what I would call a disposition or an outlook towards your circumstances, a pattern of thinking or attitude toward your circumstances. That's what he's talking, the spirit of fear is what he's talking about. And here it is, if you and I are predisposed or have a pattern of thinking that results in constant debilitating fear in response to the circumstances of your life, Paul is telling Timothy, Timothy, that's not from God. That is not what God wants from his people. If it's not from God, then where does this disposition or spirit of fear come from? That's a good question, right? I don't really know the, the full answer to that question. Some would say, well, it's, it's totally of Satan. If it doesn't come from God, then it comes from Satan, okay? I think there are satanic forces all at work around us to discourage us and to drive us to fear. I believe that. I, I think it's probably a combination of our never-ending desire to control everything and to control everyone in our lives, which is driven by the obsession for our well-being and comfort. And when you add to that the constant barrage of demonic and worldly events and news that has as its goal causing you to doubt that the sovereign God of the universe, your heavenly Father, is not capable of taking care of you, I think that's where we land, most of us. It's like this weird combination about our willing, our, our desire to control everything and live in comfort and not ever hurt in any way and all the outside forces coming together which drives us to paralyzing fear. And what Paul is saying to Timothy is, you have nothing to fear. You have nothing to fear. Whatever that thing is that you're hanging on to, that's got you stuck, and you're screaming out for help, it has no control over you. You've convinced yourself or somebody else or some other thing has convinced you that it does, but it has no control over you. That spirit does not come from God. He has given you something else. And fear is a real thing, right? Okay, you guys. Come on. I see it on some of your faces right now. Some of you are in tears right now. I know that it's real. I know it's real. But this kind of fear is not from God. You have nothing to fear. God has given you a supernatural prescription for fear. 
You know, people come to my office and they want counseling, and Robin and I sit and counsel with couples and different individuals. And <laughs> I've said this so many times. How awesome would it be if I had like a little witch hazel kit in my office? And so when you come in and you say, hey, here it is, and you lay down your problem, I can go, awesome, I have a remedy for that. And I can go over there and I can open my little witch hazel kit and pull out a little vial of something or give you a pill and say, here, take this and everything will be fine. See you on Sunday. Come on, don't shake your head. No, that would be awesome. <laughs> right? I mean, we, would, we could fix everything just like that, but life's issues aren't that easy to fix. But can I just explain something to you? Something very special? We have something that we can open up that will give you the ability to live successfully in any and every area of your life. And God has given us the prescription for everything, including this spirit of fear. And what he tells Timothy is those things are this, the power of love, the, the spirit of power, love, and self-control. I would suggest it's this, power for circumstances, love for our relationships, and self-control for our heart's desires. Today, we're only gonna get through one of those, and that is the power for circumstances. What God has given you and me to overcome our problem of fearing the uncertainty of our future is supernatural, dynamic power through the Holy Spirit of God. Sin in the world gave us the disposition and the propensity to fear and doubt and worry, but you are not what you used to be. You are not a child of the devil anymore. You are not a child of the world anymore. You are a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come, and now you possess the power that you can overcome fear. I'm no longer a slave to, to fear. I am a child of God. And because of that, fear has no power over you. You have no reason to be stuck in fear. Do you get that? Any Greek scholars in here? You're a Greek scholar. Brother, God has given us the spirit of power. What is the Greek word for that? Can you remember? Go back to your seminary days and you're, you don't remember? Anybody want to give a stab at it? Dunamis which is where we get the word, which is where we get our word, which is where we get our word, dynamite. That's exactly right. <laughs> I have, all I have in my notes right now is play with this. Universally, what this power means is the power residing in a thing by virtue of its nature is what the word actually means in the Greek, dunamis. Because we have been given new life in Christ, we possess the power of Christ through the Holy Spirit so that we can be fearless. It's like, bring it on, nothing can make me afraid because I have the I have the dunamis, I have the dynamite of the 
Is anybody nervous right now? Of the Holy Spirit of God living in my life. What do I have to be afraid of? Nothing can, you, can you come help me with this? Nothing in my life, nothing in my life can take any precedent over, I'm getting nervous. I can't even think anymore. Should I let it go to the end? No, I will not. Ow, that hurt. That was just a little something special, special for you right there. (laughs) Had no idea that was going to happen. (laughs) This burn spot in the carpet. (laughs) Hear me, hear me, hear me. You have to hear this. You have to catch this. Because of the work of God in your life, because of the work of Jesus, who was an overcomer, and overcame sin and death, you and I, because of the power that is at work within us and the power by the Holy Spirit given to us, the, the, the dynamic power of the Holy Spirit, you have nothing to fear. You do not have to be afraid. You don't believe it. I don't know that I totally believe it. What we have to do is exercise our faith in that truth in order to conquer our fear. Can I take you to a place and show you what happens when God's people do not walk in that truth? Can I take you there? Go to the book of Numbers in the Old Testament. The book of Numbers in the Old Testament. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. This is going to illustrate when God's people live in fear instead of the power of faith. Um, so Numbers chapter 13 is where we're going to start, is where we read about the journey of God's people, Israel, um, when they're led by Moses out of their 400 years of bondage in Egypt, in enslavement in Egypt. And what Moses did was he was going to lead God's people into what God had already promised Jacob, the promised land, out of their slavery into the promised land. And this is where we are um, in Numbers 13. I'm going to show you a map so that you can see and understand what we're doing here and what we're talking about. So here's Egypt up here. This is where they were. Remember, they went there with, with Joseph, and they lived for 30 years in peace until a new and wicked Pharaoh came and enslaved the people of God. And so uh, 400 years later, God says to Moses, I want you to take my people out. You know the whole story about the plagues and all that. And so they, they leave out of Egypt, out of Goshen, and they come over here, and this is the Red Sea. This is where God parted the water because they were stuck. And remember, Pharaoh came down with his army and was like, no, I'm taking you guys back. He said, okay, go ahead and leave, but then he changed his mind. Nope, you're coming back, and we're gonna enslave you again. And God miraculously parted the Red Sea. All million-plus people walked across on dry ground. Miraculous thing that God did for his people. How awesome is that? They all saw, and their children saw, the mighty hand of God at work. So what do we have to fear? Yeah, I mean, we actually, just think about you and your children experiencing the mighty hand of God miraculously parting the Red Sea. And so you walk through, go back, you walk through, and then here comes the army behind, and right after you guys all get out, 
The army comes down into the Red Sea. God covers them up, kills them all. Pharaoh has to watch all that happen. And then God takes them down into the Mount Sinai region down here where he gives them the Ten Commandments, tells them how to live so that he could be um, with them and they could be with him. And then they start taking up and going their way towards um, the promised land up here, and they're in the wilderness of Paran. And that's where we are in Numbers 13. So let's go to Numbers 13, verse 1. The Lord said to Moses, send out men to explore the land of Canaan, the land that I am giving to the Israelites. Send one leader from each of the 12 ancestral tribes. And so if I showed you up north of where they are in the wilderness of Paran is where the promised land is, and that's where he sends them, up to Canaan to spy out the land. Verse 21, so they went up and they explored the land from the wilderness of Zin as far as Rahab near Lebo Hamath. When they came, verse 23, when they came to the valley of Eskel, they cut down a branch, a branch with a single cluster of grapes so large that it took two of them to carry it on a pole between them. I used to love this in Sunday school when I was a kid in flannel graph because we always got to place the grapes, this giant thing of grapes on this pole that these two guys are carrying. Okay, that's really, really happened. And they also brought back samples of pomegranates and figs. Okay, so after 40 days of traveling around in that area and scoping out the land, they returned with this report to all the people. Look at verse 27. We entered the land you sent us to explore, and it is indeed a bountiful country, a land flowing with milk and hungry, and here is the kind of fruit it produces. I can't, re I can't resist. Here are some pictures of those grape clusters from the Valley of Eskel. Look at that. How awesome is that? This is the place that God promised his people, a land flowing with milk and honey. This is what you get. And these guys come back with one of these clusters of grapes on a pole, and they say, this is, this is what's out there in the land. How awesome is that? And all the people shouted, Amen. yes! God is a good God. How awesome! But the very next word that comes out of these guys, this report that's coming, is troubling. The very next word is, however or but, the people living there are powerful and their towns are large and fortified. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. The Amalekites live in the Negev and the Hittites, Jebusites and Amorites live in the hill country. The Canaanites live along the coast of the Mediterranean Sea and along the Jordan Valley. Now, all of that report is true. Everything they said is true. It's not exaggerated, it's exactly how it was. It was factual. But there's a problem in this report. The place is indeed a wonderful, bountiful country, a land flowing with milk and honey. However, there's a problem. How many howevers do you have in your life? I just want to ask that. God is good. However, I just want to say fear lives in the howevers of your circumstances. There are plenty of people in our lives that will point out the howevers and can only see the impossible. But thank God that there are some people like Caleb who was one of the spies that went out to search out the land. And look at what he says in verse 30. But Caleb tried to quiet the people as they stood before Moses. Let's go at once to take the land, he said. We can certainly conquer it. How awesome is Caleb? 
How awesome is Caleb's strength? How awesome is Caleb's faith? And sometimes we need to lean into the Caleb's in our presence. Some, there are some people that are strong in faith and have the gift of faith that say, no, 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 no. No, no howevers. The Lord is good, and the Lord is always good to his promises, and he will take care of his people. Let's go, people, let's go. Let's obey the Lord, and let's go and possess what he has given to us. And you'd think that the people would be excited about that. But verse 31 says, but the other men who explored the land with him disagreed. Now, can't you hear some voices in your world that go like this? We can't go up against them. What's the truth? Yes, they can. Yes, they can. That's the truth. They're telling a lie right now. We can't go up against them. No, that's a lie. Somebody needs to call these guys out and say, no, that's a lie. Right? Come on, you guys. They're stronger than we are. True or false? Man, you're weak. I just have to be real with you today. Come on. True or false? False. false. Why? Because we have God on our side, and nothing is stronger than our God. Amen. So they spread this bad report about the land among the Israelites. Here's what they continued. The land we traveled through and explored will devour anyone who goes to live there. True or false? All the people we saw were giants. True or false? No, they were some giants, but all the people. Isn't that how the however people do it? All the, all the people out there are giants. No, they're not. We even saw the descendants of Anak. And next to them, we felt like grasshoppers. True or false? True. <laughs> when you stand next to a giant, you, look, you feel like a grasshopper. And that's what they thought, too. Right. These are spies in a foreign land, and they're going around asking people, you know, we feel like grasshoppers to you. Do you feel like we're like grasshoppers to you? They're, that's a lie. They're making the story up as they go along in order to exaggerate everything so that they can convince the people to not be bold and strong in the Lord. And they're fear mongers. How do the people respond? You guys, knock it off. We know the Lord, and we know the truth of God and his word. Knock it off. Quit talking like that, right? The whole community, the whole community began weeping aloud, and they cried all night, and their voices rose in a great chorus of protest against Moses and Aaron. Oh, if we only had died in Egypt or even here in the wilderness, they complained. Why is the Lord taking us to this country only to have us die in battle? Are you kidding me? Is this what God's people are really saying? The God who just days before delivered them across the Red Sea? Are you kidding me? Is this how you take your God? Is this how you treat your God whenever times come that are hard? Whenever you're facing some kind of thing out there, is this how you go? Is this, is this where God's people are supposed to go? The answer is no, it's not. Our wives and our little ones are going to be carried off as plunder. Wouldn't it have been better for us to return to Egypt? Then they plotted amongst themselves, let's choose a new leader and go back to Egypt. Really? Can you see what fear produces, my friends? Irrationality. So Joshua and Caleb give it one more try. Look at verse 7, chapter 14. 
The land we traveled through and explored is a wonderful land. And if the Lord is pleased with us, answer the question, is the Lord pleased with his people? Is the Lord pleased with his people? Don't be shy about that. Yes, he is. He loves you. He gave his son for you. You're his very special people. He cares for his people. And if the Lord is pleased with us, he will bring us safely into the land and give it to us. It is a rich land flowing with milk and honey. Do not rebel against the Lord. And don't be afraid of the people of the land. I just want to say to you that the scripture just declared to every one of us that when God's people are fearful, then we are rebelling against the Lord. Okay, that didn't mean anything to you either. Listen to what they say. They're helpless prey to us, the people of that land, because we have God on our side. Then they, they have no protection, but the Lord is with us. And if God is with us, who can be against us, church? Who can be? Nobody can be. So what are you afraid of? You have nothing to fear. So don't be afraid of them, Joshua and Caleb. Now, wouldn't you just love to rally around somebody like that? and feed off of their optimism and feed off of their faith. And the people were like, oh, yes, we're sorry. We're so sorry. You're right, Jacob, or Caleb and, and Joseph. We're... <laughs> Get your Bible characters straight, Phil. You know, somebody, <laughs> I am so messed up. Listen, when God gives us Caleb's and Joshua's, we should rejoice and follow their example. And yet the scripture says that the, the whole congregation took up stones and said, let's stone these boys. Why? Because they're telling us the truth when all of the however guys were telling us lies. Do you see what happens when fear takes over, my friends? You begin to believe the lie. You lose your flipping mind. You can't think straight anymore. You can't think with common sense. Anybody but me think that our world has totally lost its mind and we're not using common sense about almost everything right now? How is that possible? Because there's a bunch of howevers out there that are telling us things that are false. They're lying to us. They're not telling us the truth about our circumstances. They're not telling us the truth about our world condition. They're not telling us the truth. In fact, they are the ones that the Bible says, woe to those who say that right is wrong and wrong is right, and this is what they're doing, and this is what they're peddling, and this is what they're teaching, and all it's doing is driving fear into the hearts of all mankind. And when that happens, people lose their minds. And we see it right here with God's people. Now, I'm gonna give them a break. You know why? Because the Israelites don't, didn't possess the Holy Spirit of God, but I'm not giving us a break. We possess the Holy Spirit of God in our lives. Oh, how I wish you fully understood that. In fact, my prayer, I want to read it to you like Paul. To the Ephesian believers, this is my heart for you. This is my prayer for you. I pray 
that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which you were called and the riches of his glorious inherit of, the, of his glorious inheritance in the saints and his comparably great power for all who believe that power is like that power that's in you is like that which was working in his mighty strength which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and then seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. My friends, you and I, in Jesus Christ, possess all the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, that gave him victory over sin and death, is inside of you. It's dynamic power. What is the purpose of this dynamite? What's the purpose of dynamite? To blow stuff up. You know what it is in us? It's the power to bring down strongholds. It's the power to stand up against false teaching. It's the power to stand in the strength and power of the Holy Spirit in the face of all kinds of adversity that might come our way. I am totally messed up, and I have way too much to talk about. I'm trying to think of a way to end this, and you know the good thing about church is that we get to come back next week. And... Um, so I'm going to finish this next week, if that's okay with you, because I'm totally upside down on time. And you know, when Davey was here, <laughs> he had an all-time record. I mean, totally all-time record. I think we went two hours and five minutes, and the children's ministries were losing their minds. <laughs> So give them, a, give them a big hug when you see them. They do a great work for us. So I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just put a pause on this. But um, So guys, I'm going to jump. And I'll, yeah. You guys ever study in school um, the Boxer Rebellion? It was a time in um, 1899 to 1901, a three-year period. Um, there was a violent, anti-foreign, anti-Christian, and anti-imperialist uprising in China. In an attempt to rid their country of what they labeled as the blight of foreign influence, Chinese revolutionaries went on a rampage and they brutally hunted down and murdered as many Christian missionaries and Christian nationals that they could find. I want you to hear the final words of these hunted Christians. Now, I just want to say to you, I don't know how I don't know how I would respond in that situation. Um, 
I don't know what I would do with my family. I don't even know how I would lead the church to respond if we entered into a situation like this where the government decided that Christianity was a blight against the nation. And their solution was to come and hunt down Christians and kill them, murder them. This isn't, I'm not making this up, this actually happened. And I'm not exactly sure if they did everything right, okay, these Christians, but we have record that shows what was in their hearts and shows that they understood the scriptures and they were familiar with what we're talking about today and they were applying it, though they may be in a weak way, but they were applying it, the truth of God's word and his promises to their current situation. You can hear it written in their final words. There's a doctor named Arnold Lovett who wrote, Dear friend, We do not know whom you may be, but we thought it well to leave this letter in the hands of a trusty native to give to the first foreigner who might come along. We would like our dear home ones to know we are being marvelously sustained by the Lord. There's the first clue that these people had something supernatural happening in them. Running for their lives, but they wanted everybody at home to know that they are being marvelously sustained by the Lord. He is precious to each of us, and the children seem to have no fear. Isn't that an awesome statement? We cannot but hope for deliverance. Hope dies hard, and our God is well able to do all things, even to save us from the most impossible surroundings when hope is gone. Our trust is in Him entirely and alone. We are at the same time. We, at the same time, are seeking to do all that is in our power and asking guidance at every step. There's not much time. We are ready. Shortly after writing this, Dr. Lovitz was murdered for his faith. Hiding in a cave, a woman named Georgie Hearn wrote these words, and these were her last words. We know that after this time of trial, China will be a very different land. Truly, the foundation of the church has been laid by blood. We know not at present how many lives have been laid down, either in foreigners or natives. What these rulers and governors will have to answer for, one cannot say. One can only say that God ruleth over all, and he must have some wise purpose in allowing all of this to come to pass. One feels for some things that it would be nicer to be taken and be with so many who have laid down their lives, but for the dear ones who may read this and for the sake of the many heathen who are still without Christ, one would like to stay for further service. The Lord is keeping one's heart in perfect peace during this time of trial. We have heard that the people are coming, so we're going home to our heavenly home. There I shall see you. Do all repent and meet me there. I have no time for more. The will of the Lord be done. Your loving sister, Georgie. One other dear saint wrote this. It is wonderful. The peace which the Lord is giving us, for though we not know what a day may bring forth, we are restful and do not feel a bit afraid. Do you hear that? Their very lives, they're being hunted to be murdered 
but the peace that passes understanding that guards your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus through these kinds of circumstances is holding them so that they can say, we're restful and do not feel a bit afraid. The Lord's promises are so reassuring. I will never leave you. I will help you. I will save you. I will never forsake you. When that time comes, and it's coming for us all, and you may feel you're being sensational. You know, maybe I am. I. That'll never happen in the United States of America, one nation under God. That can never happen, right? You know, who would have thought two years ago, three years ago, that what we're experiencing today and the tyrannical rule that is happening in our nation today would be happening in America? Who would have ever dreamed that? Not me. If you had told me three years ago that some of the stuff that's happening today and what they're doing today was going to be happening, I would say, no, 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 no. The people of America would never allow that to happen. God would never allow that to happen. Okay, you, you know, you want to say heaven forbid, but when this type of thing happens, it's happened before. You know that it's happening all over the world. Hello, Afghanistan. When it comes for us, will we be ready to stand? Will we be full of the power of the Holy Spirit of God? And will our response be like these who gave their lives standing for the truth? There's a story of the Boxer Rebellion that these revolutionaries showed up at a church that were meeting like this. A couple hundred people were in, this, were in the meeting room. And outside in the dirt, the revolutionaries drew a cross in the sand right outside the doors. And they, they went inside and they said, listen, all you have to do, all you have to do is walk out and trample on the cross and you can live. But if you refuse, you will die today. The story is that a little girl led the way and walked out of the church service and knelt down before the cross and prayed and thanked the Lord for her salvation. And then she stood and walked around the cross and they murdered her on the spot, thinking it would discourage all the rest of the congregants. But it says, the story goes on, that 180 people walked out to their death because of the example set by that little girl's faith. That's real stuff. That's, those are real stories. That's what, that's what the wickedness of humanity driven by the wickedness of Satan and his schemes will do to his people, to God's people. So the, the question is, when that comes, what kind of pastor am I going to be? How am I going to lead you? Am I going to lead you afraid and hunkered down and running for my life? Or am I going to stand boldly for the faith, for my faith? What kind of, are we going to walk in the power that is given to us 
the power that is given to us. I'm going to teach you next week how to light the fuse of the dynamic power of God in your life. I'm sorry I didn't get to it today, and Lord, don't come back till I can tell him. I'm just kidding. If you want to come back, I'm totally fine with that. We're going to need it. We're going to need to know how to light the fuse of the dynamic power that is ours in Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, that scared me. I thought something bad happened just then. We have little dynamites for everybody. Can you see that? There, see that? Little dynamites. Representing the massive amount of power that is inside of every one of us in the work of the Holy Spirit, that same power that raised Jesus from the dead. I want you, every single person, to take one of these. So put it somewhere specific this week so that you can say, I am a power, I'm one of the most powerful people on the planet because I have the power of the Holy Spirit of God in my life and I do not need to be afraid. Come on church, stand up and let's sing, come on. in that power that is given to us and I just want to say like every week those of you who are online thank you for joining us and if you need help if you're like stuck I mean really stuck and you just need one of us to come alongside of you and help pop you out of your stuck situation if you're here in the building and that's your case and you want some prayer over that we would love to meet with you but the biggest call today is for those of you who don't know the Lord You don't want to be stuck for eternity. And if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, please come to us today and let us work with you and help you find salvation today. Now, like I said, everybody gets one of these. Unless your kid's carrying a lighter in his pocket, don't let him. And if he's carrying a lighter in his pocket, shame on you for letting him carry a lighter in his pocket. But 
help that, I hope that'll be a reminder to you um, of the power that's at work in you, and I hope you'll come back tonight. Tonight's going to be a very special night um, as, we, as we connect worship and missions, and as we launch our season of generosity. Hopefully, you'll make time to be here, 5.30 tonight. Um, don't go to your life group, because they'll be here. Um, but anyway, we're going to be um, excited to share that with you. God bless you all. As you are dismissed, go in the power of the Lord.